Hey there, Kingdom Hearts fans. Welcome back to Dream Drop Long Distance, a podcast about two best buds playing through the Kingdom Hearts franchise and rekindling a little bit of that magic that uh, we had the first time we played this game. As always, my name is Mitchell Orsino, and with me is my good friend Kyle Bradshaw. How you doing, Kyle? My man, I am doing so great. I am... My heart is full having uh, replayed this this moment of Roxas's uh, life. I, I, I don't think I'll ever not be heartwarmed by by this uh, scene. I completely agree. Um, and because we have a lot to get into, let's jump right into it. Right. So where we last left off was day three. Roxas got mugged and missed the beach trip. That's <laughs> the short version of that. And uh, it is now time for the struggle tournament. They have been they've been building up to this for a few days now, saying that, oh, yeah, well, we got something coming up on that day. Oh, they they've been talking about this game struggle, but they haven't really shown it to us yet. Other than these weird little sticks that they've been carrying around. But yeah, they, they introduce you to the struggle champion Setzer, who is a character fr- I learned from Final Fantasy VI. Oh, cool. I was actually about to ask if I hadn't looked. The, the one note that I had is a uh, Setzer is obvious Final Fantasy eye candy and Struggle looks extremely exciting. Yeah, for, for despite having a name like Struggle, it actually is a very fun uh, little mini game. Before you get there, though, they kind of recommend you to uh, one, maybe go get some more money and buy some potions because you mm-hmm. lose health and also two to get some experience. Which the only way to do that is to fight Cypher a number of times in an alley. You just beat up a guy in the alley and take his experience. <laughs> yeah, it's it. Um, I don't know about you, but I actually found myself having a little bit of difficulty uh, in a, a little bit past this. And I was kind of like, man, I am under leveled, but there's no way of gaining experience outside of this. And I ran into Cypher complete by, completely by accident. And was very glad that they put in that little bit of ability to gain experience points. I completely agree with you. Yeah, because I had gotten maybe three levels worth off of him because I, I was just like, I don't know how strong I need to be, but let's just blow it out and have Roxas ready for whatever comes. I did the exact same thing. I think I, I think I probably leveled two or three times, um, especially because so the when it, the struggle tournament, you wind up first round fighting uh, as Roxas, your best friend, Hainer. And the technical of how this game works is that each opponent starts with uh, basically a stockpile of 100 orbs. Uh, Each person has a particular color, usually one being red, one being blue. Uh, As you attack your opponent, each hit lands tends to drop a a particular amount of orbs. If you hit with a full combo and a large attack at the end, your opponent will drop quite a large amount of orbs. And you have to basically run around and collect as many as possible from your opponent while keeping your own. So there actually is, and I think they actually tell you in as you're listening to the, um, the moderator for the game, that it actually is a strategy to try to knock a certain amount of orbs off of your opponent and just run around. Basically try to just, because there is a timer and whoever has the most at the end wins no matter what. You can also get an instant win by getting all 200 orbs uh, ahead of the timer running out. Ah, okay, cool. I I think I got close to 200, but I, I don't remember ever getting every single one. Oh, okay. Well, then, uh, well, you're not going to be happy about the things that have to, it's a good thing we're not competing on this one. You'd be upset. So <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Hainer, I got, I was about three or four shy. Um, the next, as you, you know, you wind up beating Hainer, uh, the very next fight that you get into is actually it hilariously. Um, the fight previous was Cypher versus his small friend Vivi. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to wind up fighting Cypher. No, no, no. Vivi is a little animal and winds up beating Cypher to Cypher's dismay, who is just like, I, that's not Vivi. Watch yourself. And you wind up fighting Vivi. However, during the fight with Vivi, after you win, time freezes and Vivi, right before your eyes, transforms into a nobody. And then out comes Axel. Yeah, Axel, the um, tall spiky, long, red-haired, 
uh, cloaked person that we know as a per uh, chain of memories is a part of this organization. So uh, Axel is trying to get Roxas to to remember him, trying to get Roxas to just come back home with him, it seems like. And, and he says, uh, you really don't remember. Which uh, just goes to show that, like, those scenes that we saw in the credits of Chain of Memories, those really happened. And at one point, Axel and Roxas really were close friends, like it indicated. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it actually cuts to uh, a scene where Roxas throws the keyblade out of anger and it comes back to him. And Axel looks at him and says, number 13, Roxas, the keyblade's chosen one. Yes, I love that one. I, uh, it's, we're learning more and more about the numbers. I feel like we need to start keeping track of them all, but uh, at least to see the it, as they're being revealed. Because I know if I just go to Google, it says who's all who, but it's interesting to like, oh, okay, now we have this person's number, we have this person's number. It's like it's fun to imagine like the back in the day, the get game FAQs way of just like being on forums and writing things down and taking notes the old fashioned way, you know? Yeah, nah, I, I, yeah, 100%. I feel like the internet has spoiled us just a little bit in that way. Cause somebody most of the time, by the time you go to do something, somebody's already reached to it. So uh, with that though, Axel just decides to fight Roxas because that's the easiest way to get Roxas to come back. But somehow, despite the fact that Roxas is only level three or two or what have you, somehow Axel goes down like a chump despite all of that. But, and that's when Diz shows up too and starts interfering with what Axel is doing and it it just all goes to hell. Yeah, Diz shows up, pops up, and it's just like immediately starts yelling at Roxas, like, Roxas, this man is speaking nonsense. And Axel's looking at him like, Roxas, don't listen to him. Like trying to get him to to listen to his side of things. And Roxas is being torn between the two. And he looks up at the sky and just yells, Hainer, Pence, Olette. And then it kind of breaks him out of this this cycle of uh, the time stop and what's happening between the three. It's incredible in his own way that, that his heart seeking to, to return to his friends is, is, is seemingly able to have an effect on this presumably created world that, that the power of that friendship is so strong to, to want to return to that. Yeah. I think Roxas figured out Diz's, uh, Diz's passcode. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the password. So, that's a good idea. I'm going to try that. I'm just going to type Hainer Pencilette next to my meta computer. Uh-huh. Next time you want to just get out of this world for a little bit, just, yo, know, just type that in. <laughs> and then, well, so we wind up going, we wind up getting back. And I think the last part of this was you, uh, you fight Setzer. And I, so you tell me, I actually, um, what is it? Did you, did you beat him? This question. So there's a little bit of intricacy with that question because he offers a better prize or something like, hey, throw the match, kid. It'll be all right. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I did not throw the match. I, I got the, the champion's belt. I, I beat him 200, okay. 200 to zero, just like I did Hainer. Gotcha. Okay. So for funsies, mm -hmm. I actually, just to see what happened, I actually, no, I apologize. Um, I lost to Vivi to see what happened, uh, but nothing really happened. Um, Hainer or no, um, Setzer actually beat me the first time because my controller died <laughs> and that's a good reason. And so I, it, it didn't lose all of my orbs. I, my health dropped and it's kind of this embarrassing moment where Roxas realizes that he just, you know, he lost and. Um, they, they wind up just getting like sea salt ice cream and it's weird because the game winds up still giving you the champions belt as an item. No, they give you a medallion or what was it? A medallion. I'm sorry. It's a, um, yeah, there's two different items that you can get for, uh, whether or not do you, you choose to beat Setzer. If you do beat him, you get the champion's belt, which gives you uh, like 20% reduction on a bunch of elemental damage. Or if you lose, you get the medallion, which some people prefer because it gives you plus one attack. There you go. Okay. I was like, I couldn't remember. I know it definitely, it wasn't the, 
um, or did I say the champion's belt? I thought, maybe I thought it was just the trophy. Like for some reason, I remember being like, why did I still get this item? Right. The trophy's yours no matter win or lose. That's what it was. Okay. No, I mean, it's an interesting little detail. It's a fun way that the, the story diverges a little bit, but still comes to the same conclusion. It, it, it's bold for a PlayStation 2 game. How about that? Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. And I guess so to make sure that we didn't have two different experiences, what what happened to you after beating Setzer when your characters wind up going to the clock tower afterwards? It's the same thing. They go for ice cream and they stand, they sit on top of the tower and they have the trophy. They take the little crystals off. They look at it in the sunset and then Roxas falls off the dang clock tower. So just like they, you think for a second, because all of his friends are reaching out. And you're like, wow, I think they just killed Roxas because he is falling off of like the equivalent of Big Ben. Like this is not a small clock tower. That these kids just go and chill up on. Yeah, no, they they it's got to be 20 stories or something like that. I don't know. It's hard to tell from the outside, but it, no matter what, it's way too high for anybody to be falling off of, let alone a child. Yeah. Um, and then, but as he's falling, you get this kind of like the world tweaking out. And then you hear a girl's voice. Not just any girl. I do believe that voice is Kyrie. It is absolutely Kyrie. Because it cuts over to Kyrie on the Destiny Islands. And she has an entirely new look. Like this is definitely an older Kyrie. Um, she looks like she just maybe left school and also the destiny islands it, it, you can tell that we're not just on like their little play island this is like a full village uh like roads have been constructed and little hut homes very cute very stylized uh place to live it's true i i really appreciate that they've fleshed out the destiny islands here rather than it just being the one little play island which you can see in the distance because uh, Selfie shows up and starts talking to Kyrie about missing Riku, but doesn't remember the other boy that they hung out with. And Kyrie won't go back to that island, which they should kind of show off in the distance. Kyrie won't go back to that island until she remembers everything about Sora. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I remember specifically whenever she's kind of trying to remember the other boy. Do you hear um, the name Namine? It kind of in a question mark and Kyrie has a headache hearing that name. And in the same time, she kind of has this psychic conversation. She hears this psychic conversation between Roxas and herself, and they kind of introduce each other. And Kyrie's like, what's your name? And at that point, you actually hear a different voice, but a very familiar voice say, you don't remember my name? Wow. Thanks a lot, Kyrie. And who is that, Kyle? Well, Mitchell, I do believe, as he says, it starts with an S, which Kyrie is yep. pretty quick to put back together after standing up from taking 10 psychic damage. She runs down <laughs> the beach and says, starts with an S, right, Sora? More importantly, one detail that I really, really want people to pay attention to, like, do not forget this, put a little pin in this, Kyrie has a letter that she wrote before she remembered Sora's name. She puts it in a bottle and casts it out to sea. Just hold on to that. It's all I'll say. And then right after that, we cut away to uh, Diz's lab. And Diz claims to this hooded figure that Naminé's interference allowed them all to talk. And he says that like Naminé wasn't born like other nobodies. At which point the hooded figure says, well, who's nobody is she? And Diz goes, well, I could say if you tell me your true name. At which point we finally get to fight like the hooded figure pulls his hood back. And who is it, Kyle? Somehow, some way, this hooded figure is Ansem, the big bad villain of the first game, Ansem, Seeker of Darkness. I, I, and, and all that happens is Diz just laughs. At the unveil. He just laughed. Yeah, he... It, but you, you can't tell if he's laughing because he had guessed it and realized he got it right, or he's guessing because he was completely off. Thankfully, we don't have to look, wait too long to learn what the real answer is. It 
I have some thoughts here, but we're, we don't have enough evidence to get into it yet. So we'll, we'll get there though. No, we'll get there real soon. No, no, no. Um, but right after that, we are introduced to, um, an org, basically a meetup of the organization. Yeah. There's a, we're back in that chamber of thrones with, uh, the 13 thrones, as I recall, we counted and Axel, Axel's fighting for one member to not be gotten rid of. It seems to be that he's been ordered to kill someone, which we can only assume that it's we can only assume that it's Roxas. I mean, yeah, at this point, I feel like he's in vet. He he keeps showing up to try to get Roxas to remember something or to try to convince him of something. And, you know, he he's trying to fight for this person. And then he just gets a lance hurled at the side of his head. Yeah, I'm very excited for that character. I can't wait to get to explore a little bit more of them. I, I find, yeah. oh man, like that, that is a very powerful move though. And, and shows that the organization is taking this extremely seriously, especially uh, one line that, that really stood out to me was you who has been ruthless against those who turn their backs on the organization, because it's true. Yeah. Axel, killed vexen and zexion and basically led to marluxia's death yeah and this we don't see it but the guy who throws this lance at him says that like you need to eliminate him at which point axel is just like or you'll turn me into a dusk at which point we're like oh what's a I, I think that was the first time we're introduced to the idea that these organization members when they die they don't just disappear they can be basically brought back as something that they do not like the idea of becoming. I'm not so sure that that's the case. My current theory right now is that like maybe nobody's can be promoted and demoted or something like that. Like that's why there's such a, a strong hierarchy in the organization and why people care what number one person is versus another. I feel like you can get promoted and demoted. Ooh, I actually like that theory much better. Um, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I don't I don't really know that. Huh. Interesting. OK, so you're you're thinking that like if uh, whatever this dusk is, if they do a good enough job, maybe they can take over an organization spot. Something like that. Yeah. Or at least become something higher than a dusk. I, I don't know what okay. a dusk is yet, though, at this point. And I think we'll maybe we'll learn soon. Sure, sure, sure. But that is actually the end of day four. Yeah, we go into day five now where Roxas wakes up in his bed after having fallen off of the tower and he goes to meet up with his friends and they're kind of talking about the fact that like, oh, geez, you know, summer vacation's almost over. We never did our study. We have to do an essay. So they uh, they end up doing this whole big thing on what they call the seven wonders of twilight town, which are just odd things happening around town that they hear stories and urban legends about. Yeah. Um, it seems like the, the kids have this independent study, which I think is hilarious that they're got an independent study. Um, and they need to hop a train to get to the, I guess the part of town that allows them to go and, look at all of these things that have been reported. Which is also just an excuse to give a little bit more of Twilight Town to explore, which I certainly appreciate. Uh, though I will say I'm a little confused why this place can exist, but the beach can't exist. But I won't question Diz's ways. <laughs> hey, man. I mean, everybody will tell you what everybody will tell you water physics are the worst to try to animate. That's true. That's true. That's why the Destiny Islands is has only been on screen for seconds at a time thus far. Um, <laughs> I will note, though, it's I think a, an important thing to note is that on the train. Each of the kids, you know, Hainer, Pence and Olette each take out their crystal from the day before. And they talk about uh, or they don't talk about it. They just kind of like silently each hold up the crystal into the sunlight. And Roxas goes to do the same. And it's not in his pocket. Because he really did fall off of the building yesterday. And uh, I think we even saw it in who is now Ansem's hand. Yeah, he winds up kind of playing with it while talking to Diz at one point. And you realize like that. Did he did he push Roxas off a building? I think it's the other way around. I think that this Ansem saved 
Roxas. Uh, okay, that, that probably makes way more sense. Or or something like that. I don't know how Diz's simulation works. Like, I don't know, because seemingly time can pause at any time, but so far time has only paused in a way that Roxas can still perceive everything. I don't think it's paused. And well, then would we even know if time paused in a way that Roxas can't perceive? The questions. I'm going to stop. All the questions. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, but so we get to the town and the kids are like, okay, let's spread out and start trying to investigate some of these stories. And yeah, I mean, you know, they were all, they all had a little kind of cheeky, uh, fun nature to them. Um, uh, I don't know if you, if you want to jump into yeah, I mean, I which one you, you did first, the, the quick, just a quick rundown. It was, I went to the alleyway first, uh, in the alleyway, like there's these, uh, these like look like volleyballs that are flying out of the wall and, uh, it, it it's just a bug in Diz's code or something that's causing these to just fly out of the wall at, at Roxas. And when Roxas finally gets to the back of the wall to investigate it, Pence just shows up and is like, oh, you threw that? Cool. All right, moving on. And just brushes his hands of it. And Roxas also just accepts it and walks away. I, I don't really understand what happened there. Yeah, th- it happens a lot like this. Uh, one of the next ones is... Uh, the story of the odd numbered stairs where the kids have heard a story that if there's a staircase that if you walk up one way and you walk back down it, the number is different. And they wind up realizing that it actually was just uh, Cypher's little crony Rye who reported it. And he just kept miscounting. (laughs) The numbers are different every time, you know. (laughs) <laughs> and i that that was by far the funniest one i was like that's amazing yeah uh, most of these aren't really worth the time other than um i will say uh like the animated bag which is this bag that just was moving around on its own the only thing that happened with the animated bag is that roxas smothered a dog inside of a burlap sack we have to clarify what happened so he didn't roxas doesn't exactly smother so this this garbage bag looking thing is kind of running around and you have to jump onto the bag and ride it for long enough. And I think it kind of like get it tired and then you hop off and then out comes this very small dog that you shouldn't have really been able to ride in the first place. Yeah, it, it just kind of looks like Lassie. I'm so confused as to how any of this happened or how that dog had that much energy and was able to move on the inside of the bag. All I'm saying is Roxas smothered a dog and he needs to be reported to PETA. That's that's just what happened. But the thing was, he didn't really smother a dog because the moment they walk away, the dog turns into a nobody and then flies off. Yeah, that's kind of the, the running joke here, too. Like, um, even in the tunnel where uh, there's like spooky noises coming out of the tunnel and you go fi- go there and you find out that there's a bunch of VVs there. I don't know. And then, like, at the end, the real Vivi shows up, and then the real Vivi is a nobody, too, when you look away. there's It's either bugs in Diz's code, or nobody's doing weird things. These are Those are the two explanations for everything happening here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all of them. Up until um, you wind up, basically everybody just decides that that's like, okay, let's go try to see the last one, which is something that happens around sunset, which is the the mystery of the ghost train. And you know the, the kids are waiting on it. And Cypher actually shows up and makes fun of them for it because he's like, you, you guys are idiots. There's no such thing as a ghost train. I, I actually really love this little scene. Uh, this was such a great quote. Like I, I almost want to like, I hope that Cypher is actually like this in his final fantasy game. Cause if he is, I really want to go play it because they're like he's like you know what are you doing and Hainer's like what do you care and Cypher says I don't tell me anyway I love it I don't know yeah. it's such a great line he's such a fun character at which point he also looks at Roxas and he goes why does looking at you always tick me off and Roxas goes maybe it's destiny <laughs> and he's just like I'm not going along with destiny maybe we should be friends which that line didn't click with me the first couple times that I heard it and I think nah. today was the first like this playthrough was the first time that it made sense what he was trying to say it was, it was a weird concept yeah well then they actually wind up seeing this train which funny enough and compared to all the other trains and rail cars that you've seen is this like kind of purple train with stars all over it and the smokestack is a magic like a like a, a wizard's hat that we've seen in the past 
and they kind of freak out. And they're like, it's heading to the train station. Well, not necessarily they. Only Roxas. Roxas is the only one who sees it because he's like, look. And he runs over to the rail or runs over to the edge and bends over and looks at it. And he's like, come on. And he runs off toward the station. Nobody else acknowledges it. Hmm. They're 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 gaslighting him at this point, which I think is only because only he sees it. That's funny, though, because um, what I remember specifically what I remember happening was they get to the train station and Roxas goes to get on the train. But Hainer stops it. But then, oh, yes, I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And my next note was Roxas turns. That train has disappeared. And it's just a plain old train, at which point Hainer and his friends are like, all right, I guess let's go home. And Roxas is just like, what? Wait, what happened? How? Yeah, because from from Hainer's perspective, Roxas was just about to walk out onto the train tracks. That's true. OK, I I guess my brain, I was I registered that as Roxas tried to get on a different train. And maybe Hainer was like, wait, what do you wait? Don't get on that train. And then. It was I, I that was like a glitch moment to me. I thought that happened maybe, uh, but your your theory makes way more sense. So with that though, that uh, they they head back home, only to only for Roxas to say that was only six. Weren't there supposed to be seven wonders? Hainer gets pissed and doesn't go, and uh, Roxas is just like, well, what is it? What is it? Let's come on and and tries to get tries to get Pence to tell him and Pence tells him that it's uh that there's something at the mansion that uh the seventh wonder is something happening at the mansion. Yeah, I think he uh specifically they're like people have said they've seen a girl in the window of the mansion kind of staring out and you wind up going to the gate of the mansion you can't get in but you look up and you very blatantly see that it's Namine standing at the window. And as soon as they lock eyes, they begin a Pokemon battle. No, wait, no, hang on. Uh, <laughs> as soon as they lock eyes, uh, Roxas is transported inside of a uh, a white room full of pictures, like the ones that Nominee drew during Chain of Memories. You can see that uh, a lot of them are, are are scenes of of things that actually happened in Sora's life, except for one that shows Axel and Roxas hanging out together. Yeah, which was. I was like, oh, so there that's that's pretty wild. But you also see like a photo of Kyrie and her charm and nominate after Roxas sees a picture of Axel and himself. She says that, yeah, you two are best friends. And he's just like, what? And then she shows him a picture of Sora in the gang and Roxas knows all their names, which point nominate tells Roxas that he is half of Sora and Sora can't be whole without his help. And Roxas says, what do you know about me? And Amine says, you were never supposed to exist, Roxas. Which is so sad. That's just like a terrible thing to say. And and it's Roxas so says sad. that to him, too. Or Roxas says that to her as well. It's like, why would you say that to me, even if it's true? Yeah, but then, like, that kind of ends and we get transported back outside. And Pence shows up. And it's just like, oh, have you seen anything? And you look up and Amine's no longer there. And much like the last couple of wonders that we've seen he goes oh well i guess it just must have been the curtains moving and then he just walks away like no questioning it and we're just like hey no 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 and that's but that's it and that, that's how that ends roxas just does not stand up for himself man I, I don't understand it i don't know if it's because if he just keeps letting his friends down and he doesn't feel that he can speak up at this point but it, it, it's so frustrating to watch him do this right after that we cut back into what looks like a destroyed living room and ansem looks at diz and he goes why did you show him the train and diz goes well because he missed his beach trip <laughs> which is i think is hilarious and diz is like well, are the holes in your memory coming back and ansem it's like yeah they're slowly filling in and diz goes what's well, happening to all of sora's friends to them it'll be like he just left for a year and Ansem's like, dude, what do you want? And Diz just looks at him and goes, revenge. But first we must dispose of Namine. Roxas wasn't the only one who was never meant to exist. Take care of it, Ansem. There are so many things that happen here. I, I don't even know how to unpack them all. Like uh, this Ansem having memory issues, 
all of those tied to Sora having memory issues, like um, Kyrie having memory issues, not remembering Sora anymore. But at the same time, the last time that we saw Riku, he remembered everything that happened between him and Sora, like uh, all throughout Reverse Rebirth. He never forgot Sora. He never forgot anything that happened between him and Sora, or at least it was never exposed publicly that this happened. Like, so I, I don't understand. I don't know who this is or how this is happening or or if this is just like a minor plot hole between Chain of Memories and two. Uh, I'm so confused, Mitchell. I don't know. I, I honestly Riku to me yeah, is kind of the odd man out here. So right after that, we get kind of the, the fizz out uh, TV static effect. And we all we hear is restoration at 97 percent. Which we're like, ooh, 97%. That is very close to 100, Kyle. I know, I don't know what to do. It's so close. Like, clearly Sora almost has all of his memories back. I mean, we had already seen, uh, we didn't talk about this at the top of the show, but there was a moment where uh, scenes from Sora's life were playing out, and um, we saw things like Kyrie. The name Kyrie was spoken aloud when it hadn't been before. Like, we're, we're really seeing the end game. Like, they even showed a little clip from the unknown. Uh, right now, in this moment with the restoration, they show all the little things that happen at end of the world up until the intro to Chain of Memories where it cuts. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think Sora might be ready. But then we, it cuts and we're back at the, the black, so the black sand beach with the kind of like black hole looking background and the two cloaked figures. And one of them comes up and it says, I've gone to see him and hit the other one. goes, he looks a lot like you. Or yeah, this, this same guy, he says that he's like, I've been to see him. He looks a lot like you. It goes through that whole scene again. And finally at the end, or at least the next line that's spoken, you hear that the other hooded figure is Roxas. Yeah. And then we actually cut away to one of the very dope animatic of uh, we see a twin keyblade wielder. This is the first time we've seen a keyblade wielder using two keyblades at the same time. No. Fighting off up. No. Oh no, I thought it no, was. It is not, because if you remember, this is just replaying Oh, the, it's from the end of Kingdom Hearts One. Yeah, they're replaying that that neon fight scene from the secret ending. And it's got the same dual wielding keyblade wielder with Oblivion and Oathkeeper. Well no, yeah, but you're right. You're completely right. I uh, I misspoke, I misspoke, but in this scene, we see that this this individual throws a keyblade at this um, blindfold wearing long blue haired character. But the long blue haired character catches that keyblade. They fight for a bit. The blue haired character goes down and he looks at this hooded figure and he goes, why? Why do you have the keyblade? And the Keyblade wielder looks at it and just goes, shut up. And he swings on the guy. And but we don't see it ever hit. It, it actually cuts away to Roxas in bed. But before that, Mitchell, before that, who are these voices? We know these voices. Who are these people, Mitchell? Oh, it's I mean, the voices are it's Riku and Roxas. It's Riku and Roxas. Why is Riku wearing a, a blindfold? Why is Riku wearing I, a blindfold? Why is Roxas fighting Riku? I do not. Uh, they, we do not know at this point. Yeah, I, I do not know why Riku is wearing a blindfold. I dig his new look, and it definitely looks like he's gotten taller. <laughs> As if he needed to be any taller than Sora again. But sure, I know. Yes, he did indeed get taller. Um, but so Roxas wakes up, and now we are on the next day, and he gets out of bed. But unlike other days, as he steps out, we start to see a like a familiar silhouette kind of ghost form around him. And we see Sora. Yeah, it, it's almost like Roxas thinks that he is Sora or his body is realizing that it is Sora or something strange like that. Yeah, but he he gets out of bed and we go. He, he heads to his uh, his gang's hideout. And as he walks in, no one notices him enter. They're all kind of talking and laughing and. He's just like, okay, he's like, hey, guys, like and nobody's paying attention. And he goes to reach out, but his hand goes through Hainer and he freaks. He's like, what? But then they all get up 
and they go to leave and they run through him like he is completely a ghost at this point. Roxas, more like Patrick Swayze. I'm going to cut the joke. <laughs> that was awful. Moving on. That was so that was bad. Yeah. Um, at, at this point, Roxas uh, goes down and, and sees photos nearby. Roxas bends down, he picks up a photo off of the ground and like something out of Back to the Future, he's no longer in the photos with his friends. Yeah, it's pretty, you can tell, and at this point, he's just like, what is going on? And he steps outside, and he's met by two Dusks and Axel. Yeah, it seems like Axel's been ordered to destroy Roxas or return him to the organization. And at this point, Diz steps in, tells Roxas to go to the mansion, and stops time altogether to, to prevent him from having to fight Axel who just kind of stays locked like that. I think even the music stops, which is a weird uh, moment, but it also kind of makes sense because it, this is a very tense moment. You don't want to have the dee -doo -dee -doo -dee -dee going that whole time. No. Yeah. So Diz winds up pausing time. Roxas yells out the name of his friends. Like we've seen him do in the past to kind of break back into his reality. But it, unlike last time, Axel's still there, but he's still just completely frozen in place. This moment's really sad to me because you can see that Roxas misses his friends, but Axel misses his friend, you know? Yeah. I mean, Axel, I, I, yeah, Axel actually is like, I hate being the one sent to destroy you. And Roxas is like, wait, we're best friends and, or we're best friends. And Axel looks delighted. And he goes, wait, you remember now? Okay. Wait, what's our boss's name? And he realizes that Roxas can't remember and Roxas then, almost out of fear, just summons his Keyblade. And you can see it just completely crushes Axel. That he's like, oh man, you were, you don't remember still. Yeah, and he just puts it away. And that is the moment when Diz steps in and uh, pauses everything. So Roxas makes his way to the mansion. And there's a, there's a fun little moment here where um, he's like, you're going to lock me out? What, how lame is that? I don't know why they decided to go through all this, but they decided to have Roxas remember through Sora's memories that, oh, yeah, I'm holding an enormous key. Let me just put the key in the lock. And yeah, I think he he's actually he runs up to the door. The dusks are surrounding him and he just yells, don't call me, then lock me out. That was it's so funny. And then, yeah, he uses like the, you know, the keyblade door unlocking laser beam to open the gate and he runs in but before the dusks can follow to attack a hooded figure appears hold holding the soul eater sword which you definitely recognize as the like blue and red bat wing type sword that riku has used during the majority of the games right so that leads me to the question though mitchell does that mean that this is ansem because he's the only other hooded figure that we've interacted with in this digital thing of Twilight Town. Uh, uh, Axel has been one, and then there's been this mysterious figure who's introduced himself as Ansem. I was wondering the same thing, but I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I mean, Riku and Ansem have a, a very challenging relationship, as we have been through in Reverse Rebirth. Uh, supposedly... Supposedly, Riku had gotten Ansem out of his system, had defeated him once and for all, but at, but also claimed the power of darkness for him. I don't know. I don't know. But we wind up getting into the, the mansion and it's, you know, it, it's very run down, broken furniture. We, we explore a bunch of rooms. We do find some potions and some other little items and trinkets. And we go upstairs and we actually wind up finding Namine's white room. Inside of which... uh there's a drawing of Roxas in that neon city that we saw both in that uh, in that cutaway a couple minutes ago and in the secret ending. Uh, and, and seeing that that drawing, he immediately takes 10 psychic damage and remembers pieces <laughs> of the day uh, where where Axel persuades him not to betray the organization. Yeah, Axel like questions if he's really leaving. And Roxas is like, well, I, got, I have to figure out why the Keyblade chose me. And Axel's like, you can't turn on the organization. Roxas snaps back into the room and sees Naminé and he winds up telling him, he's like, Organization 13, they're a bad group. 
So this is the first time we've, I think we've actually heard them called Organization 13. That is correct. That's what I have in my notes too. They're, they haven't named it like that before. So that definitely implies that Roxas was at the bottom of the hierarchy of the organization. Yeah. And Nominee looks at him and goes, eh, bad, good. I don't know. But they're a group of incomplete people who want to be whole. And what they've been searching for is Kingdom Hearts. Just like Ansem was searching for Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. At which point Roxas laughs and it's just like, I think I've been running from the question I want to ask. What's going to happen to me now? And Diz wipes Nominee completely off the map. Just completely digitizes her away. Watching that effect, I, it looked like she got Thanos snapped. I was like, Nominee is dead. I'll never see her again. Okay, dang. I thought the exact, I was like, wow, Diz, when he said like she has to be eliminated, he did not pull a punch. No joke. And did it himself too, rather than having, An having Ansem do it. Yeah. And this was the next, like Roxas actually yells at him. He's like, I have a right to know. And Diz looks at him and goes, a nobody doesn't have that right. It doesn't even have the right to be. And I was like, oh, that is brutal. Okay. Okay. So now we're, now we have been, it's been revealed by Diz that Roxas is a nobody. So let's talk about this for a second, Mitchell. With the clues that we have right now, who, who's nobody is nominee? She's got to be Kyrie's, right? I agree. Okay. Second question. Who's, nobody is Roxas. I mean, at this point, we have to assume it's Sora. Yeah, I think that's so cool. Now we've we've got a we kind of got the pieces being put together. They've given us enough information to kind of figure all this out. And it's so cool, especially since um, it was already kind of a hint because Roxas was part of Organization 13 and all of the organization members we've met thus far have been nobodies. So it was kind of already implied, but now it's confirmed. And that's really cool to me. Yeah. And Nominee actually, it's so funny, she kind of like phases back in and is like, Roxas, nobody's like us are only half a person. You won't disappear. You'll become a whole. And Diz just Diz opens up a portal and just like, come, come here and just pulls her into it. And they disappear. Uh, he, him and Nominee go through one portal and some disappears through his own little kind of teleportation. Leaving Roxas by himself in Nominee's room. Uh, with Nominee's closing words being that she and Roxas will meet again and they may not recognize one another, but they will meet again. Yeah, yeah. So as I was kind of standing in this white room, which you're now freely able to explore for the first time, I noticed a couple of little interesting tidbits. For one, in all of the drawings that are around, the only Disney-themed world that appears in one of the drawings is Neverland. All the other ones are Destiny Islands, Traverse Town, uh, Hollow Bastion, uh, that, that neon world that we haven't been to yet. There's there's only one Disney world, and that's Neverland. I don't know why that is. I guess that's just because that was where Riku took Kyrie way back when. I don't know. That's, that's the mm. only uh, Disney world, which was weird to me. The other thing that I noticed, in this game, they've changed the way that the menu looks depending on the location that you're in which is usually that each world has its own unique theme to the command area where like attack magic items and all that sort of thing hmm. in this one particular room in this one white room the command area is rethemed to look like castle oblivion including you showing a little card logo for the selector and I thought that was an odd and fun detail that they decided to include here. Oh, wow. I never even I didn't I don't think I found that or I didn't notice it because all of the rest of Twilight Town all looks the same except for that one yeah. room. And I thought that was so interesting that they decided to include that detail, I guess, to just try and call into the call into the throwback there. I mean, I don't even know if we can go back into that room now, but I guess we'll find out. Maybe you wind up going into the second room in that area and. I thought this part was kind of weird. Basically, you walk in and there's this table and it's got like a part of a drawing on it. And somehow Roxas remembers or has an idea of what to draw on the table. OK, so uh, this is because Nominee left behind some drawings or something like that. There's like a sketchbook that you get that gets added to your essential items, as it were. Oh, OK. And so, yeah, so he he walks up to this table, grabs a little chalk pencil, whatever. And he finishes drawing this symbol on the table. 
And was it the Trinity? Is that what that... I could not remember what this thing was. But basically, this symbol then spreads out in a like a circle of light across the table, then across the floor, then across the room. And it completely opens up the where the floor used to be is now the entrance to what you can only assume is Diz's lab. Yeah, so the symbol, it wasn't quite the Trinity, though it's the same kind of idea because it's, you know, three. But as I recall, one of the symbols was the heartless symbol. Uh, the second one, that the one that Roxas drew was the... Uh, was a crown. I don't really know what the crown symbol is for. Not sure either. And uh, the third symbol, the one, the other one that was already drawn, was the symbol that can be seen on the heads of those nobodies that we've been fighting. Huh. So you're kind of seeing all of the weird. Okay, I have to really go back and look at that. It, it should still be in your in your like important items or whatever that inventory is called. Okay. Cool. So, but then all of a sudden, Roxas gets another headache. Yeah, it takes 10 more psychic damage being down in Diz's uh, computer room. Yeah, and we are introduced to a scene where you're back on the, you know, the high throne room of the organization. And we see all of the organization members, that new ones, old ones from Chain of Memories. And the very last one that we see sitting among them is Roxas. Number 13, Roxas. And then we cut away from that. And we see we're back in this, you know, neo-future city. Roxas is running from nobodies. We see Riku and he's like, why do you have the keyblade? And Roxas goes to strike him, but Riku counters it. And we're all of a sudden back in the lab. And Diz claims to Ansem that Roxas has half of Sora's power within him. And he goes, in the end, he'll have to give it back because that is the fate of a nobody. Right. And in this, in this moment, this is when uh, Diz starts to uh, create the simulated version of Twilight Town and and create this false persona that that Roxas gets to live through. Um, I do think it's super interesting that this moment, uh, this is the earliest memory that we have of Ansem and Diz interacting together. Yeah, this is a. Um at first, I thought it was happening in real time. Then I realized, like, oh, no, this is this is showing because it, it they show that uh, Roxas is inside of that that little chamber. Yeah, it's a weird thing that's all kind of being played out. But the, the gist is that they're showing that, oh, OK, Roxas was kidnapped from his life, thrown into a town with false memories and used to just by nominee time to restore Sora's memories. But then Roxas wakes up and he gets pretty PO'd and just starts beating Diz's computer system with his keyblade and breaks it to pieces. It looks like something out of office space. I'm I'm really impressed with the damage that he's able to do here. It was pretty funny. And you know, after he kind of winds down, you see that a door is opened and you know, you go in and you wind up actually fighting a bunch of nobodies, but then who shows up? My man Axel is back. And of course, now, now that Roxas remembers everything and actually remembers everything, it, now it's too late and Axel's pissed and just goes into a fight. Well, one of my, my favorite line so far, Roxas goes, Axel. And Axel goes, you do remember me this time. I'm so flattered. And then just the entire arena erupts in flames. What a guy. Oh, he's so cool. Like, ugh. and so in this cool. moment, the tension leads Roxas to remember how to wield two Keyblades. Once again, confirming yes. that he's our man from earlier, which I love that Axel just responds to. <laughs> That's such an anime line. I love it. It's so funny. Roxas and just this very smooth, awesome look pulls the Ultima and the Oath Keeper and Axis looks at him and goes, two? And you get into a fight. I didn't have too much trouble with this fight, despite being on critical mode. I think I may have uh, beaten up Cypher a little too much. Ah, uh, yeah, I didn't really have much of a, uh, an issue with this one either. But it is an, an awesome fight because Axel's doing like. Basically, through description, he's doing some of these teleportation moves coming in and out of the firewalls and you're able to block and run like the, you know, the 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 uh, the controls we talked about earlier. Or if you time it correctly, you get these kind of animatic fight 
choreographies that happen where you run along the wall fighting one another. Uh, it's just it's such a pretty fight. But overall, the, the moment you pull out two keyblades, it's there's not much of anything Axel can do to you. And just think we're being this cool right at the beginning of the game. It can only get cooler, right? I know. I know. I'm so excited. But with that, Axel goes down and uh, seemingly on death's door, he expresses a wish to see Roxas again, quote, in the next life. Well, so actually, well, no. So Roxas says, let's meet again in the next life. And Axel says, silly, just because you have one. And then he fades away. It's a weird thing, though, because I don't know. I feel like something went a little wacky with the translation here because Axel definitely was the first one to say in the next life. Roxas agrees. And then Axel's like, silly, just because you get one, which is like, why did they? You were the one who suggested it. I don't understand. It was a it was a weird moment for me. But overall, still top 10 character. Yeah. Um, And then probably, I think, one of the saddest moments up to this point, there is a quick scene right before then where you're back in that, you know, futuristic city and Axel looks at Roxas and it's like, if you get on their bad side, they'll destroy you. And Roxas very, you know, emo is like, no one would miss me. Goes to walk away and Axel just very quietly goes, I would. Dude, that broke my heart. <laughs> oh, my goodness, my man. There is a game that I can't wait for you to play, but we'll get there. We've got a ways to go. Uh, I have no doubt. It's, but so we we leave this room. After Axel has kind of disappeared and we walk into this hallway full of what we see as stasis pods. And who do we see in those pods, Kyle? So I want to talk about this room for a second. But to answer your question directly, you see our boys, Donald and Goofy. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) I was so excited to see them. Oh, my God. It's like, yes, my boys, we're finally getting somewhere. But I want to talk about something here. Because, okay. for one, there are way, 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 way more pods than there probably should be. Yes. There are some that are unused, but there's also, if you go, if you investigate each one, it says something a little different. And one says, there's evidence this was used before. Ooh. On who? When? <laughs> I don't understand. Who know? Who knows? <laughs> And the worst part is there's probably an answer to that question in some side game that we'll get to in like a year from now. <laughs> I mean, you know? probably. So, wow. Yeah, I, I think that might have been the only one that I missed. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of like over way on the left side because like there's newer ones that haven't been used off to one side of Donald and Goofy. And there's like some that, yeah, look older. I don't know. Hmm. But so Roxas gets through that after recognizing who Donald and Goofy are and he walks into the flower chamber um, that is, I say the flower chamber, kind of the sleeping chamber where Sora, we know that Sora is. And uh, when he walks in, he is greeted by Diz who looks at him and just goes, you've arrived. The Keyblade's chosen one. And Roxas looks at him and goes, well, who are you talking to, me or Sora? He goes, okay, half of Sora then. You reside in darkness. I need someone who can wander the realm of light and defeat Organization 13. Okay, I need to interject here. So sure. here's my thought. Diz, previously in a conversation with Ansem slash Riku slash whoever that was, said that his goal, his primary goal, was revenge. That's what he was trying to do, was to get revenge. Uh-huh. Now he's saying that his primary goal is to eliminate Organization 13. I believe that that implies that he's trying to eliminate them as his form of getting revenge. That's what getting revenge looks like to him, eliminating the organization. I guess so. I'm just wondering what what could the organization have done that he needs to get revenge for. I, I don't have like, I don't really have like a full guess just yet. I agree. Um, it's just something to, uh, an open question for the future. Yeah. But Rox looks up and goes, who are you? And he doesn't even give him a full answer. He just says, I am a servant of the world, which makes you a tool at best. And I'm just like, damn, this dude is just rude. I know. I like that. He calls him a tool. That's <laughs> so funny. 
I really liked that, you know, Roxas is like, I hate you so much. And Diz is just like, so cool about it. Like, I hate him, but also this is a cool line. Uh, you should share some of that hatred with Sora. He's far too nice for his own good. Like, yes. What? Like, telling him to give this anger and hatred, imbue that into Sora so that he stops being so nice and Disney-esque? I love it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I think he's just kind of past that and he, he has a purpose and he's just like, I, I have my goal and nothing is going to get in the way of that. And I'm just going to tell you how it is. And Roxas just gets mad then tries to attack Diz. And Diz is like, oh, sorry, I'm actually not here. This is just a projection. At which point Roxas just gets even more angry and just keeps attacking it until it disappears and then it just reappears behind him and Roxas look, just says, I hate you so much. Yeah. Ugh. And it's so. What a moment. And I'm sorry if you just did. I. It's OK. We I'm went a little sorry. out of order. It's good, though. It's fine. It's fine. These things all happen. And, and so with that, though, uh, with all that out of the way, uh, Roxas goes to open the pod and reveal Sora inside. And he says, Sora. You're lucky. Looks like my summer vacation is over. And then just shows Kingdom Hearts 2. The title card. Yeah, we hear this. It's everything kind of fades. And then we see we hear this music build up and we are greeted by the title card of the game. We've been finally waiting to play. Right. It's like, oh, okay, all of that was just the prologue. Uh, Time to play the actual game now. Ah! I love it. I love it. So, uh, so excited to actually, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Roxas storyline is great. I I love it, but it, being able to finally jump into the meat and potatoes of this game, very, very exciting. I mean, we've been going at this for three weeks now. Like, I, I think that as a kid, I probably spent maybe three hours at most playing through all of this, let alone, and, and even then, that's a, even that feels like a stretch because there's no way I was playing on critical, so probably closer to like two hours maybe but we spent more than that just talking about it and that's so oh my gosh i'm so excited to get into it it's oh god okay because i know have you started yeah i've i've started a little bit i didn't get far yeah i got to the first little save point right after because there was no way to save after uh after roxas's story ends you have to get to a certain point that you can save so yeah i've been a little bit but I'm, i'm holding i'm holding back i'm holding back I think, I mean, yeah, that's it. That's, that is the end of that little storyline. And next week, when we come back, it, it is, we are going to be starting with, um, the return of Sora. And that's going to be the name of the episode for sure. No, it's not. But yeah, I'm so excited <laughs> to get to play Sora again. Oh my gosh. Like, I, mm, to, to, I, I want to hear Donald Duck's voice again, Mitchell. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if that's why I'm excited about it, but you know, to each their own. But on that note, it's been a long one. So we appreciate everybody sticking with us, but we really wanted to to get through this one um and to get to the the next chapter. Well yeah, man. I think that uh I think you're absolutely right. This is a good point to stop, and I think we can revisit this maybe next week. And uh we appreciate everybody for tuning in and for uh, it, in a certain sense, being patient with us and, and following along with us as we take this game slowly to, to really savor it rather than power through like we would want to do. Absolutely. Well, until next time, um, my name is Mitchell Orsino. Kyle, always great and looking forward to it, man. Absolutely. See you all next time. Bye bye. Hey there, Kingdom Hearts fans. Thanks for listening to the episode. Dream Drop Long Distance is hosted by Mitchell Orsino and Kyle Bradshaw and is produced by Kyle Bradshaw. Our theme music was written and recorded by Alex McLean.